And then I'm probably going to do a lot of a jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. I'm just going to sing throughout the whole <laughs> Ho, 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 and Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. Welcome to the Fi Show, where you'll get a behind-the-scenes look into financial independence. Here's your host, Cody and Justin. A jingle bell jing- I'm just kidding. What's up, guys? It's Cody and Justin on another episode of the Fi Show, and we are super excited to be giving you this episode live on Christmas Day. It is the best gift you could possibly ask for, and Justin and I were just chatting it up, and we realized that we kind of have celebrated Christmas differently just from our backgrounds, our upbringing, and we wanted to just talk about how different people can experience Christmas different. So, Justin, I'd love if you could take it from there. Yeah, Cody. So, when I was thinking about this, I think it's interesting because in the in the FI community and with the financial independence community, it seems like a lot of the banter goes around kind of, let's get rid of materialistic Christmas. Like, materialistic Christmas is not the way to go. And so that's kind of what I was want to talk about today is how my family has participated in a fairly materialistic Christmas, but I think it's a good thing because, you know, people didn't just get stuff they didn't need throughout the year. You didn't just get a bunch of random stuff throughout the year. So Christmas was a very special time and it was, that was the time of the year you got your stuff. And, um, you know, you got a lot of people who are working hard and they don't ever get themselves something nice. It's always just stuff that they got to have. So it's a one time a year that they get the opportunity for somebody to give them something to kind of treat themselves. Um, so, but I don't know about what your background was like for Christmas or what maybe your views are about Christmas now, but I'm still totally okay with a materialistic Christmas. Yeah. So I am definitely different now than I was when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I loved, I loved getting presents for Christmas and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I know you know my story, but I was fortunate that my parents did make me work for the things that I wanted. They wouldn't just hand me gifts left and right. So Christmas was super special, but I definitely did get spoiled on Christmas. And my parents would go above and beyond to make sure that my brother and I had the coolest gifts that we really wanted. And I know that I'm super blessed and fortunate for that. But now looking back and just knowing these five concepts and I'm kind of like anti-materialism now. I don't want anything for Christmas. My girlfriend asked me what I want. I say, give me a hug. I don't need anything, you know? I have everything I could ever want. And I don't know. I, I just have a lot of trouble after realizing, like, how consumeristic America is. Even though I come from a different background, I know you have disclosed that you come from a lower class background where maybe your family can only afford to do those presents one time per year. And so, hey, we're, we're, we're a high class, low income. There's a difference. <laughs> <laughs> but I really do think that, yeah, it's probably a lot more special to you. Even though I wasn't getting like all these crazy presents throughout the year, I never had to worry about like if I wanted this item of clothing really badly, my parents would probably get it for me. And so I kind of grew up with that really, I was really fortunate to have parents who could do that for me. And so now looking back with this super fi anti-consumeristic mindset i'm like i don't want anything at all for christmas maybe an experience and because those are the things i mainly value i know you value those a lot too justin so i'd love if you could kind of talk about from little kid justin to now how your views have changed if at all yeah i mean i definitely look back at some of the things that like i wanted so bad and like when i would get them you know that was that was a big deal to me then but i think back on it now and i'm like man you know like i was i probably 
you know, was wasting, you know, that probably was some money that we could have used somewhere else that we really needed for something else. And so I definitely have shifted to more experiences myself, like the things I spend my money on day to day, but I still do kind of reserve Christmas as that time for getting people some of that stuff that a lot of times we, we try to, you know, say we're trying to cut out in the, in the, in the FI world. But the thing I'd like to say is, so that's kind of us, right? That's like me and you, but for me, a lot of it is about the gifts of giving other people too, though. So like, imagine, you know, let's say your mom or dad or whatever, never bought themselves anything nice that wasn't, you know, that wasn't necessary. They never bought themselves like a, a gift throughout the year. That's could be that one opportunity where, you know, maybe they want a bracelet, which is not a necessity. It's not useful, but it's something they really wanted and they work hard all year and they would never buy it for themselves because they're just like their mindset is everything I buy has to go back into the family. So that's that one time where you can say like, Hey, it doesn't matter. Like cut it out. Like you're going to have something nice and that's your opportunity to give it to them. And maybe they're not into experiences. So you can't give them that experience. I do like that philosophy. And I really, as of late, especially I get a lot of joy out of giving people stuff like a few years ago. What was it now? Three years ago. I gave my girlfriend a present of going to Disney and it wasn't exactly cheap, even though I did some travel hacking, but it felt so good giving that gift and just making someone's day and she had never been before. And so it was so awesome, but I kind of want to take a step back and I know neither of our families do this, but the one big Christmas no-no is when a parent or whoever goes into multiples, hundreds or thousands of dollars in debt to get those people the things that they want. And I think you would definitely be in agreement with this, Justin. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the stretching yourself too thin, and I mean, it's it's. I'm sure it's a sad situation, and I don't have kids of my own, so I can't exactly say, you know, if I was in that position. I mean, obviously, knowing what I do now, but you're probably not in that situation. You're probably not finding yourself in the situation where you are taking out those kind of loans, if you know what we know. So those are kind of hard to mix those those thought processes. But you know, if you do have kids and you don't have that money, I'm sure it is extremely tempting to not like you know, to make them happy and to not make them feel like outcasted around Christmas and to find yourself in debt. So I can definitely see the temptation, but obviously don't recommend it. Yeah. I really, really hope that every single listener of this podcast isn't going out and taking a payday loan to buy the new Xbox (laughs) for their son or daughter. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it actually makes me think about the same thing with student loans. And I'd read something that I'd never, I just never really thought about in that context, but makes so much more sense is a lot of parents put themselves into deep, financial debt to send their kids to college. The problem with that is they're trying to protect their kids from getting into financial debt, but their kids have such a long runway to get out of debt and to be okay. If you put yourself in debt at that close to retirement age, you don't have any room to get that back. So you're doing a disservice. And the other thing I think about it, and I think I put it in one of my posts about like buying happiness was if you ask a kid, once they're, let's say they're 30, 40 years old, do you wish your parents would have spent more money on you? Or do you wish your parents would have spent less money on you so they could have stopped working earlier so they were around to just do trips with you and just to be available? And just, if you're in college and you're, let's say, okay, let me say it this way. So let's say you're a college kid and would you rather like your college, your parents paid for your college more, put themselves in debt without having to work or whether maybe they were able to retire early and then when you were out on summer break, you could do some, you know, cheap traveling to Europe. Like, I think maybe we don't understand that as we're younger, but the older we get, we would rather us carry a little more of that burden and them to just be available. Definitely. And so, Justin, before we transition out of this holiday talk, 
I'm curious what the best Christmas present you have ever received was. <laughs> so probably the one that got me the most excited. And this kind of is still very true today. Like I am, I'm very frugal, but I love tech. I love my gadgets and that's my one week spot. And as a kid and throughout my whole life, it was probably obviously like I was obvious that I was going to be an engineer and I've always been really just weird about my tech stuff. And so I remember the uh, the thin PlayStation 2s came out, which I didn't have a PlayStation 2 at all, period. But the thin ones came out, and you could not find one in the stores. And I wanted one so bad. And I had actually created an exact-to-dimension replica of the PS2 out of, like, paper and cardboard just so I could see, like, how little it was <laughs> and, like, what it would look like if I had one. And I didn't think there was any way I was getting one for Christmas because you couldn't find them anywhere. And uh, my mom had went and called like new people who worked at different Walmarts being on the lookout and somehow found one. And I was so excited. And it's one of those where, you know, you open everything but it and you're sitting there like, man, it seems like maybe I got a little less for Christmas this year. And then, but you know, you're not trying to show it. And then all of a sudden you get that box with the PS2 in it and you just lose your mind. (laughs) What about you? Honestly, it might be the same exact present. <laughs> I remember how excited my brother and I were. We had our PS1, and I think I was maybe eight years old or something like that, eight or nine years old. And we opened up a little like memory card, and it was a PS2 memory card, and we thought it was a mistake. We're like, this isn't our PS1 memory card. Why'd you get us this? And then they like handed us this other box, and we just jumped around screaming for like 30 minutes. <laughs> but now I got to tell you, because this is just hilarious uh the the saddest christmas gift experience so i got this awesome like very large you know rc airplane i mean this is you know you you didn't the kids who are listening today you didn't always have the the drones with the fancy gps and everything okay this is but this is a really nice rc (laughs) plane get it out there get it set up the first time and this is it's got to take off like down like a you know almost like a runway style it doesn't just you know it's not a quadcopter get the thing up and it's going and it's going and it gets up so high all i can see is like a glimmer off the when the plane turned sideways and the sun hit off of it and it just kept going and all of a sudden i realized it was so far i didn't have connectivity to it anymore <laughs> and it was just gone the first time I flew it. It just never came back? Never found it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Let's stop talking about the holidays, and let's talk about just how awesome 2018 was. Because we met each other this year, so there's one thing. There's one <laughs> score in the books. <laughs> and, yeah, so let's just kind of take it back to the beginning. So I didn't know you back in January, but that was the first time where I kind of got to know some other people in the FI community. And I went down to Camp Fi Southeast in Florida, and I met Brad and Jonathan from Choose FI and a bunch of other awesome people, and that kind of kickstarted me in the community, and everyone was like, you should start a blog, you should start a podcast, you should do this, do that, and I was a little hesitant, didn't really want to do it, and four months later, there I was. <laughs> <laughs> so, Justin, what did the beginning of the year look like for you? So, as far as, you know, the blog and stuff, I had had my blog previously, but I will say that I went to FinCon, you know, towards the end of last year for the first time. And that is where I first started getting more serious about my blog. So this year, you know, it's got a new, I got a much cleaner style and layout and and I have posted more. I definitely did not post as much as I should have. And as much as I said I was going to, 
but I, but I certainly, certainly posted more. I've kept up every month with my monthly reviews, um, which I was pretty proud of. But January, um, start of the year in particular, uh, I actually went to Iceland, which was pretty cool. We went in the dead of winter. It was nuts. It was like a 60 hour sprint, but we just were nonstop and saw a ton of the West coast of Iceland. I highly recommend it. Awesome. So Justin, I'm curious because I don't know the exact numbers, but I know you do keep your super diligent, detailed monthly tracking spreadsheet. So what did the numbers look like for this year before we kind of dive into the experiences month by month? Yeah. Um, well, just from like a high level, I, I was telling you before, you can get on my blog and see the monthly reports every month. Those consolidated numbers, I don't have a ton of them for you today because I do my years in kind of my own weird fiscal quarters, but I've got some high level ones. Definitely stayed over 70%, um, actually a little over 75% savings rate. That's post-tax savings rate. Ooh. I held on to that under $60 a month average grocery bill, which everybody likes to, you know, tell me that I'm crazy or lying. Um, <laughs> the old stock market wasn't playing nice this uh, this year too much, but still eked out, I think, a 67K net worth increase, which is still okay on a on a bad year like this. What else do we have here? Uh, yeah, and got up to, we're knocking, knock, knock, knocking on 300's door as far as the 300K net worth. So I can't complain. Yeah, you're crushing it. And I know you did have some hardships through there for people who don't read your blog, but <laughs> you lost your apartment in a fire. <laughs> yeah, that was a weird life-changing moment. It, but not like, I, I won't, I would never want to like oversell it and compare it to somebody who like lost their actual like forever home in a fire or who didn't have insurance i was renting an apartment in a in a three unit apartment um you know it was like a multi-family home with three levels i was in the middle level and the top floor caught on fire took the roof out and i had no idea but renter's insurance covers your hotel stays and all that until your house gets back fixed or until you decide to move somewhere else for at least a year some states are actually more and so I ended up living in a hotel from the 1st of June until the 1st of November. So a solid five months in a hotel, which was actually, it was pretty awesome. I'm not going to say I wasn't a little tired of it by the end as far as wanting a little, just wanting it to feel like my place. But man, free breakfast every morning is nothing to be mad about. <laughs> oh yeah. And uh, 2.4 million Hilton points. Million. Million. 2.4 million Hilton points. Wow. <laughs> Okay, well, I don't track quite as diligently as you do, but I did pull up my mint spending report for the year, and as of right now, I've spent $16,321. So that's a pretty good year for me, considering, we'll get back to this in a little bit, I was in Australia for the first five months of the year, <laughs> from the end of January till the end of June. So doing pretty good on that front, for people who do know my story. I started working and getting real money in July, so I've been stocking away as much as I possibly can. Still living at home, so zero rent bill. My food bill is just the excess food when we don't have food in the fridge or the freezer that I can steal. <laughs> and yeah, so keeping my expenses minimal. And Justin, I might have eked you out a little bit on that savings rate. I'm looking at like 85% here, <laughs> but I don't have to pay for housing. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's a, a for people who are listening for whatever reason. If you don't know that we both live in kind of the Boston area, that's another thing to keep in mind when you're thinking about our numbers. I think I spent, let's say that was a good note. Like, what'd you total spend, like in dollars wise? Because that's sometimes percentages are tough. So, 
let's see, that's 21000 And again, that's living here in Boston, about 21000 for the year. And I am paying rent. I'm not that lucky to be living rent-free. Now, for most of the year, I had roommates, and my rent was 775 a month. Now, me and my girlfriend are living together, and so we split rent, and it's 840 a month. But utilities are included. I got parking, no more coin laundry, and the place is way nicer. So, Justin, let's just get the obvious out of the way. I mean, we are both living under rocks, depriving ourselves, eating ramen noodles. There's no way you can live a good life on 16000 and $21,000 a year. There's literally no way. So... I'd love if you could just talk about some of the things you've done this year, like getting crumbs off the floor, you know, hiding in your closet. <laughs> oh, man. We'll be right back after a quick word from one of our sponsors. Today's sponsor is one I use on a daily basis at my company, Gold City Ventures. That is the sound of a sale in your Shopify store. But did you know that Shopify now also powers in-person selling? Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store or small business. Accept payments, manage inventory, they have everything. Shopify brings together your in-person and online sales business into one source of truth, one dashboard, everything in one place. You know exactly what's going on. And now they have all these customization options. They have plug and play tools that you can integrate with Instagram or TikTok or wherever. You can take your payments by phone or by tablet. Shopify makes it easy. Plus, if you have any questions, their support team is there to help you. I know we have a lot of entrepreneurs in this audience, and Shopify POS just breaks down that barrier to accepting payments with your business. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash fyshow, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash fyshow to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash fyshow. Now back to the show. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's a pretty rough life out here at these rates, or at least that's what everybody tells you that it must be. Now, um, that's one of the biggest things that I wanted us to kind of talk about and dispel in this episode is, hey, like, here's some numbers, hitting some really high rates. What does that life actually look like? And I think we both do a good job of talking about that kind of stuff. But for me, I mean, just a few things. I went to Mexico twice, including a lot of scuba diving. I went out to the Grand Canyon, as I mentioned earlier. I went to Iceland for a few days. I saw a UFC title fight, like tons of concerts, went skiing a few times, saw some great comedy shows like Dimitri Martin, went to Denver, I think, three times. I married, actually, my two best friends, got the honor to do that. And then I had this uh, really <laughs> kind of interesting anniversary trip to the Hamptons, which I would actually love to dive into a little bit more um, because it's an interesting one, right? So <laughs> we're talking about all this travel, but there's there's normally like a twist, right? So yes, we're doing a lot of this travel, but I'm sure you're travel hacking like I travel hack, but then it's more than just credit cards. It's just being mindful of how you're traveling. So, and I actually had to give Leslie credit for this one. This was totally her idea, but it's definitely a move I think we both appreciate. So she had a big group of friends want to go to the Hamptons, which is like everybody knows is expensive. It's bougie. It's not something. It doesn't sound like a fire trip. So we get the opportunity to go down there. There's people flying in. It's a big house, huge yard. It's gorgeous weather. They're wanting like a little over $400 per person for it's a long weekend to stay there. Well, Leslie asked, well, what if we just don't sleep in the house? Like what if we have access to the house during the day? But we just like camp out in the yard <laughs> and we'll pay like 180 or what, you know, instead of the four something. And uh, they agreed to it. 
And it was awesome. So, like, we still had complete access to the house and the pool and everything. It was just like we were with everybody else except at night when there were people crashing on the couch. We had our, you know, full-size air mattress sleeping outside in fantastic weather. And so we had more room. We had more privacy. And we didn't lose anything. So, like, as far as the experience goes, we got the full experience for less than half the price. And because these people flew in and had bought these nice air mattresses on Amazon, had them shipped and didn't want to take them home. I got a pretty sweet air mattress to go. (laughs) That is awesome. And I totally agree with you, Justin, that it's not just about travel hacking. Like I am all about turning for points. I'm all about getting the max redemptions and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, if you're going on these crazy, lavish, expensive, extravagant trips, you can travel hack all you want. You'll still probably spend a few hundred or a few thousand bucks. And so I would get a lot of judgment when people, mostly older people, would be like, you spent $10 a night in an Airbnb in Australia? I'm like, yeah, we had our own private room. It was completely fine, and we were barely there. <laughs> like Most of the day, we're out exploring. We just crashed there at night. That's it. So why would I spend $100 in a hotel or even use points when I could pay 10 bucks to stay in an Airbnb? It's just being mindful and understanding that there are these other options. And so some of the cool things yeah. I did this year... Uh, Justin, you didn't even mention some of the really cool things you did this year. <laughs> like, hang out with me at Camp Fi South and FinCon. <laughs> those are always a good time. I went to two Camp Fies this year, and basically what those are is just a bunch of Fi nerds hanging out together, having a good time. That's where I met Justin, actually. And like I kind of alluded to earlier, I was in Australia for five months, so from the end of January to the end of June, and these were the best five months of my life to date. (laughs) I'll try to one-up it in the coming years, but man, I went everywhere. We went to Brisbane, Cairns, the Whitsenda Islands, uh, Sydney, Perth, Tasmania, New Zealand. So like we said before, I'm depriving the hell out of myself. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, just having the time of my life, went to a Buffalo Bills game. That was rowdy. Uh, (laughs) Went to Washington, D.C., went to Florida a handful of times. So yeah, man, just had such a good year and had fun meeting you, had fun starting the podcast, starting the blog, and just getting really involved and getting my hands dirty. Yeah, and you know, like you're talking about those Airbnbs. That always cracks me up when or when they're looking at going on a trip. They're like, yeah, but these really expensive hotels and whatever. I'm like, what in the world? Why would you travel halfway across the world to go see the inside of a fancy hotel room? Like, you can, <laughs> I mean, you probably got one of those down your street. You could have saved some money on a flight. Like, don't worry about that stuff. Like, what are you going to do? What are you going to see? What is the experience you're trying to have? Make sure you get that and cut out everything else. <laughs> Even just a couple months ago, we went up to Acadia National Park. I found this awesome campground that was right on this like little beach, like near this on this lake. Gorgeous, like all the trees, you know, all the changing, all the colors and everything. It was completely free. Like it's just this free public land, and you got people paying you know, $45 a night down the road to stay at a KOA where there's somebody staying right on top of you and there's little kids running around and it's just terrible. It's like, you don't have to do what everybody else does. (laughs) I really like that. And for a lot of people listening, maybe they aren't all about experiences. Justin, I know we're very similar in that, that I just try to maximize the experience. So I'd much rather go on 10 different trips. This is just a terrible analogy, but go on 10 different trips that cost $100 in like a frugal or cheap way, then go on one trip that costs a thousand dollars. Like most of the time, those little trips are going to add up and be a lot more fun. And so I'm just all about like maximizing the experience. And I, I think you're the same way. 
Absolutely. I mean, money is just another uh, resource, you know? You've got so much of it, but that doesn't mean that everybody's experiences are going to come out the same. You can get a lot more bang for your buck if you're a little smarter about it. Love it. And so something I want to talk about, and this is because I'm a statistics and spreadsheet nerd type of guy, is the podcast. And so I don't even know the exact date, but it was in October when we kind of linked up and teamed up. Do you remember the exact date, Justin? I don't remember the exact date. I know that the Christmas special should be episode 10, I believe. Yeah, I'm trying to do some terrible math. So it's like two and a half months back. So it's sometime in the beginning of October when we linked up. But in aggregate, from when I started the podcast back way back with TJ, we just breached the 20,000 downloads mark. And we have a little bit over 20 episodes. So we're averaging like 1,000 downloads an episode. So there's 1,000 people listening to each episode. And that's just such an awesome and cool feeling that people are listening to what we have to say. And I just couldn't be happier with the direction that this podcast is going. Yeah. And I think we'll get to see those numbers, you know, steadily increase because, hey, I mean, we're getting better at this. We're getting better at, you know, putting the word out there. We're getting some systems built up to make it more efficient. So I think, I think that'll keep spreading. And Justin, I know we were kind of talking about this earlier, but we have a awesome, crazy goal for 2019. And that crazy goal is... One million downloads. That is the goal for 2019, and Justin and I are going to do everything in our power to get there. <laughs> I mean, hey, if everybody, if all those thousand people tell ten of their friends, who tell <laughs> ten of their friends, who tell ten of their friends, it's reasonable. Then we're there. <laughs> we're there, Justin. And so, aside from the podcast goals, do you have any goals for 2019, or what is 2019 looking like for you? Yeah, I mean, I always set some kind of net worth goals, even though we can't really control the market. You know. So I think a reasonable one is probably like 375, which will, will kind of be a fun one. You know, uh, I think that's going to be so entertaining as you get closer to the 500K, just because it sounds cool to say like half a million. So I've got some financial ones like that. I want to keep that above 70% savings rate. It'll also be cool because that'll get me uh, when I finish out next year, then I'll have five years of the super detailed data that I keep, which is just fun to look at. And it's it gives you a lot more confidence about you know, when you can kind of jump out and stop working or stop working so seriously because you got a ton of data. So you, you know, pretty well what you're going to spend a goal. It's kind of like a side hustle goal. Something I'm very passionate about is I've started doing some financial coaching, started coaching people on their personal finance and it's been super fun. And I would really like to spread that and get that growing. A kind of a fun one is, uh, I have the goal to try to get my mom over to Iceland and do a big trip out there. It was just so cool, and we both love the landscapes and the mountains, and we want to kind of, you know, do some of the, the van camper stuff. Uh, and uh, obviously, because I like you, I'm in with your goals about growing the <laughs> podcast, so let's do that. <laughs> well, I'm glad we're on the same boat there, Justin, because that would not be a good partnership if we weren't. <laughs> My goal is to make sure that you don't get a million downloads. <laughs> you just keep... Like undownloading from your phone? I don't know if you know this, but I have left us a ton of one-star reviews. Oh, jeez, Justin. Come on. <laughs> All right, but enough about me rambling about my goals, Cody. You've got to have some kind of drive for next year. Yeah, I think 2019 is going to be the year of insanity for me. I have a jam-packed year. I'm quitting my job in the beginning of February, so that's one thing. I'm going on the Financial Freedom Book Tour with Grant Sabatier from March to June. So that's three months traveling around the country, Ooh. driving around in a Westphalia VW camper. <laughs> Westphalia. So that's going to be wild. 
And then after that, I really don't know what I'm going to be doing at all. I can't <laughs> picture myself going back to corporate America. I'm probably just going to be keep grinding on my side hustles, keep doing the blog, the disc golf company, the podcast. I've been messing around with some money coaching too. I have that whole system set up. And yeah, I'm just excited for what the future holds. Well, I've got pretty good faith, but let's just hope that we don't find you, you know, in a in a teepee somewhere trying to find yourself next year. <laughs> I think I'll be all right. I think you'll be all right. I got this awesome community behind me. You do. You do. I mean, hey, let's like that Financial Panther episode we did. I mean, there's a thousand, you know, these gig economy. And I know you've done some of the gig economy stuff too, but there's a thousand side hustles out there. If you get bored, just open your phone up and go deliver some stuff to somebody or something. But I know you... You're always looking for those those bigger goals. So I'm sure you'll do something crazy next year. So, But that's the thing that I really want to highlight. Like The amount of money that you and I spend is so supportable on a side hustle gig economy life. Like Even if I'm trying really hard to grow my personal brand, like a blog and a podcast, they don't monetize quickly, usually. Usually you have to build an audience. You have to just build a following and stuff like that. And then the money comes later after you kind of have delivered a lot of awesome content and just built a rapport up with people. But in the meantime, you have all of these little different ways to make money, like whether it's Uber or Airbnb or Turo or any of these delivery services like Uber Eats, Postmates, DoorDash, Grubhub. There's just so many ways to make money. And But the key is if I was living on, say, fifty or $60,000 a year, that's really, really tough to do just straight side hustling. But if I'm living on, say, $20,000 a year, that's like less than two grand a month in side hustles. And I think the way that we're living, Justin, just opens the doors to so many possibilities. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, when you talk about the words like financial independence and financial freedom, that's what you're talking about. Part of it. It's not just about being able to necessarily stop working you know, it's about being able to do whatever you want to do and not to be just nervous about it, not to be letting, you know, your bills make decisions for you, you know, just being able to do what you're passionate about or to take risks or whatever and know that, hey, at the end of the day for 20 grand a year, whatever it is, like I can live a, not just live, but I can live a fun life. I mean, you heard all the stuff we rattled off that we did this year. Obviously we both have still things that we could cut out of our lives if we had to. Now, obviously, neither one of us want to, but that is just a good reassurance to know that we're still not to the bone yet. We still have some meat left that we could cut off if we needed to. Yeah, but it's it's pretty good meat, Justin. I mean, this is like deer meat. There's no fat on the meat. It's <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, I mean, I, no, I just meant like if crisis mode came about, because some people don't, right? Some people are in a situation where if something really bad happened, they have nothing left to give. They have, you know, they've they've got themselves in a corner where they're not making money. They have a lot of debts and a lot of things, you know, that they owe to other people that they can't stop. And so it's just nice to know that if you had to, you could. Not that we would ever want to. Definitely. And I think well, one of my biggest beefs with people who like to diss the FI community, maybe they don't quite understand it and they just read an article on like the Huffington Post about FI and immediately all the terrible comments come swarming in, but they think that it's all about deprivation. And once you kind of knock out those big ticket items, like, yeah, you're saying your rent was seven seventy five a month, or you're living in Boston. The median, I'm a nerd and I know all these numbers because I'm in commercial real estate, but the median studio apartment price is just breached 2300 this year. <laughs> and you're paying a third of that. 
And so just being intentional, knocking out those big expenses. I know your transportation costs are super low too. You're taking public transportation in and out. And just so once you knock out like those big two, that's like 50% of your annual spend for the average American family. Yeah. And I mean, it's obviously not fair for us to not talk about some things. Like I know, gosh, I mean, some of the people I work with, they literally spend more on daycare than I spend to be alive. Um, <laughs> to and be so, alive. <laughs> like period. Like they spend over $20,000 a year on daycare. And I didn't even know that was a thing. Like I had no idea what the numbers were and it's just crazy. And you know, so that's those, you know, some of that stuff is tough, but that's, you know, it's a decision that you have to make whether or not you, you know, you want to have kids maybe, but I mean, that is a tough one. And so everybody's situation is different, but everybody's has decisions they can make and everybody has things that they can do to improve. No, you shouldn't compare yourself to someone in a different situation. Obviously, like maybe you can't compare yourselves to us because we don't have kids, but there's going to be somebody out there who you can look to who maybe does have kids and have done it in a unique way and raised them in a unique way that was, that was cheaper. There, there's always, you know, a blueprint that you can follow. And even if you do have kids or you do have some limiting thing about your life, there's always a way to optimize, even though it might not be the way that you want to, like you might not want to share a house with another family or with another person, say you're renting out a room on Airbnb and you have a kid in the house. Yeah, it might not be optimal, but People are doing this, and if you are in like a deep debt hole or you're living paycheck to paycheck, you might have to resort to one of these more frugal or just crafty tactics to kind of get your footing. And if you do want to reach that financial independence number before you die or are like 70 or 80 years old, you might have to take some drastic measures. Yeah, and I think, you know, just going back on that, like when we caught drastic measures, the funny thing with that, and we've talked about it before is that those are not drastic measures to a lot of people, not only across the world, but in America. Like, it's not really that drastic. You know, like, we are just so privileged in our society that it seems drastic. It seems uncomfortable. But, you know, if you really want it, you can do it because there's people every day who are doing it who don't want to do it. You know, they're being forced into it. But you can consciously make those decisions. And like you said, have somebody renting out a room in your house, even if you do have a family. Is it what you maybe want? No, but you want your goals more than that bothers you. So you do it. You know, people are doing it all across America out of necessity. You can do it um, in your own free will. So, Justin, I would like if we could table that conversation to next week with our super special episode with Paula Pant. That's going to be dropping on New Year's Day. And so we kind of cover a lot of that in that episode and just the whole five philosophy in general. I really enjoyed it. I think it was one of the best episodes that you and I recorded, Justin. And yeah, you guys are just getting showered with holiday treats with these podcast episodes. <laughs> yeah, you want to miss that one. That was a great one. Paul did a great job. Yeah, Justin. Paul asked. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> What's going on, Cody? Oh, man, Justin. I think it is the call to action. For me, Cody, this call to action is like a huge one, but a simple one. So as we're going into the new year, look at what really gives you value in your life, what's important to you, and structure your finances and structure your year around that so that you're really milking everything out, getting all the experience and cutting out the fat. But a lot of times that stuff is hard if you don't have somebody to keep you accountable. So call us, leave us a voicemail. Or put a comment on the blog post 
and leave us your blueprint for 2019 and how that gets you closer to really match your values and get you those experiences, and we can keep you accountable. If you do want to keep yourself accountable, you can either A, leave a comment on the blog post, and you can find that at thefiveshow.com slash 2018, or join our Facebook community at thefiveshow.com slash community. And the last and best way to keep yourself accountable, and Justin and I will play your clip on the show, keep you accountable, and maybe we'll check back in with you next year, is go to thefiveshow.com slash voicemail. And we have just gotten so many awesome ratings and reviews from you guys. And that is how Justin and I know that we're doing a good job. And so we just want to recognize a few people who have left us super nice reviews. And so the first one I want to read is the person's name is Best Fire Podcast, hands down. Thank you for that. (laughs) And they said, amazing podcast with the financial independence community steadily growing. There are more blogs, podcasts, books every single day. Most of it is repetitive and old news, but these guys are taking a new approach creating new ideas and concepts and introducing us to people with actionable tips that may not have massive blogs or celebrity status in the Fi movement. Thank you, guys. Ooh, that was a nice one. Hell yeah. So the next one we want to shout out is one from MJ Inc. 2. And this one says, short and sweet, great for anyone of any age chasing Fi. So bring them young or old, we got something for you. Ooh, and I like this one from Alexander Papp. And he said, an 11 out of 10. Justin and Cody offer some very good life advice, and I wish I had abided by it when I was young. A great podcast to listen to in the morning to start your day off right. Thank you, Alexander Pep. <laughs> Alrighty. And then lastly, we have Eric T24. I'm super happy I came across this podcast. We're happy about that too. So much <laughs> inspiration and a lot of great information about achieving financial independence. But here's the important part. This is a must listen. So get out there and listen to this stuff, guys. <laughs> definitely and thank you guys honestly so much for leaving these reviews like a review pops up i immediately read it send it to justin and we're just amped that you guys are listening you guys are getting some value out of this content and it really makes us keep going if nobody listened to this podcast if we had zero ratings, zero reviews we wouldn't know that anybody was enjoying this so thank you guys so much and we hope we accumulate some more from you guys in the future and make sure to hit that subscribe button if you do not want to miss future episodes Thank you guys so much for listening and have a great 2019. Let's crush it in 2019, guys. See you on next week's episode of The Fi Show. Hey, real quick before you go, I just want to remind you that I have made my personal like budget and net worth tracking spreadsheet available, the very same one that I use to track my net worth from $38,000 to over $1.2 million, available for free on our website at thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet. So you can go download that today. That's thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet.